Welcome to Vote, the podcast. We're at 47 days, y'all, till the election. And we know it's hard to keep track of everything that's happening this year with voting. That's why we're here for you all the way to November. We are the Voting Preppers. Woo! I'm Andrea, CEO of Vote.org, where we work to simplify political engagement and get out the vote. What does that mean? Well, in basic terms, our website can help you register to vote, find your polling place, check your registration, request an absentee ballot, you know the drill, all the things. And I'm Kat Calvin, Executive Director of Spread the Vote. We help people get the IDs they need for jobs, housing, medical care, COVID testing in a lot of places, ironically, and of course, to vote. If you've never watched any of the Spread the Vote videos with our clients, I highly suggest you check them out. You can see them on our socials or our website. A lack of ID can be a huge hurdle, and getting ID can be equally life-changing. Andrea, let's talk about voting this week. What's happening? Well, let's see. In Rhode Island, the Secretary of State, Nellie Gorbea, announced Friday that her office will send all active registered voters a mail ballot application for the November 3rd general election. And while we're really excited for Rhode Island, way to go, Rhode Island. One of the things that I keep wondering, Kat, is why every state just doesn't send ballots to everyone? Like, why, why make this a complicated process? It's so weird. It's so, it's like this like bureaucratic hole where it's like, let's send people more paper to make us do more work rather than just send people ballots, which is the obvious solution here. I don't know. I don't understand it. I'm, I'm constantly raging about this and, and yet no state has listened to me yet. So I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> well, some states are sending ballots to people, but... Um... Yeah, nine states plus D.C., but like six of those states just automatically do it anyways. I don't know. It's a, it's a whole ridiculous bureaucratic nightmare thing that I just, I can't deal with. Well, we do have to applaud improvement, so yes. I guess one step at a time, way to go. This is much better than states that aren't sending applications to anyone. We're <laughs> very true. excited. Um, yay, keep, Rhode Island. Yeah, yay, Rhode Island. Keep enfranchising your voters. And we have some more good news coming out of Virginia. Yay, Virginia. Uh, So Virginia has made two awesome decisions. One is that they have decided to provide postage for mail-in ballots. So one thing you may not know is that when you get your mail-in ballot, you need to pay attention to whether or not your state requires a stamp or not. Some provide postage, some don't. Do not let... Needing a stamp, stop you from voting. They're very easy. They're very inexpensive. You can go to the post office. You can go to the grocery store. You can get a stamp. But pay attention. So Virginia has now decided, you know what? We're going to take care of postage for everybody who's mailing in their ballots. So that's awesome. They've also decided to provide drop boxes all across the state for people. So drop boxes, if you don't know, check it out. Your state may have them. And basically, they're mailboxes, but just for ballots, that the the uh, Board of Elections picks up. So they don't have to go through USPS. They just you pop it in a box. Board of Elections picks it up and counts it. It's very easy. Um, They're really great. uh, And if your state has them, you can find locations either on uh, the Board of Elections website or usually it will be uh, on or in your vote-by-mail ballot when you get it. So check it out. It's a really, really easy way to turn in your vote-by-mail ballot. And great job, Virginia, for making those two big changes. We also have some bad news out of Florida. So uh, many of you may have been following or aware of the Amendment 4 saga in Florida. Uh, In 2018, after years of a really incredible grassroots campaign, uh, the voters of Florida 
voted to amend Florida state constitution to allow returning citizens, that is formerly incarcerated citizens, to be able to vote. And Florida was one of the states where it was most difficult for returning citizens to win back their right to vote. And with this law, which had overwhelming support from voters on both sides of the aisle, they were reenfranchised. Uh, it was really exciting. Spread the Vote works with a lot of returning citizens in Florida. We were registering them the first day they were allowed. It was incredible. Uh, but then the state of Florida decided that they wanted to institute a new rule that in order to vote, these returning citizens have to pay any of their fines and fees coming out of jail or prison. Uh, it is almost impossible to go to jail in America and not come out owing some sort of fees or some sort of fines. It is a thing that we do everywhere. As a group that has tried very hard to figure out how many, uh, you know, how much uh, returning citizens own in fines and fees so that we can help pay them, it's very very difficult. In fact, um, in the lawsuit in Florida, there was a class action lawsuit. There were 17 plaintiffs and the state couldn't even figure out how much they owe. So this is ridiculous. So it's gone back and forth in the courts over and over again. And just the other day, unfortunately, uh, the courts in what is likely the final decision, unless this gets reviewed by the Supreme Court, uh, they decided that the, the rule stands and that Florida returning citizens who want to vote have to go through the very challenging, expensive process of paying their fines and fees. Uh, this is going to disenfranchise, uh, you know, up to maybe 2 million returning citizens in Florida. Uh, and there are a lot of great groups that are trying to help people figure out how to pay their fines and fees. But again, it's so difficult and we have so little time until the election that this is a really big blow. And again, another reason that if you can vote in Florida or any other state, it is so important that you do because there are so many many people who just may not be able to this year and they need you to vote for them. And that's the news from the states. Some good news, some sad news, but all the news. Uh, and now we have a question from our inbox from the fabulous April J. Here's a message from April J. I have a friend who does not vote and I've gently tried to impress on her why it's important but she just shuts it down completely. I'm at a loss. Is this even worth pursuing? Thank you. Well, that's a challenging question, but it's always worth pursuing. And you're going to be the best messenger to your friends and family um, possible. Organizations like Vote.org and Spread the Vote, we can talk to we're blue in the face, but when a person loves you and is, you know, one of your closest friends and one of your closest allies or family members, we know that when you tell them to vote and why it's important to you and why it may be important to them, um, that that's going to be the most effective thing. So yeah, absolutely. Keep talking to your friends and keep talking uh, to your family. Uh, but Kat, what do you think? So plus one on all of that. But you know, I think there are a few things to think about here. First of all, it's awesome that you're trying to get your friend to vote. You know, like Andrea said, it really is all about us working to get our friends and family and community to vote. Um, but it's also really important to understand that, look, in this climate, in this country with our history, there are a lot of reasons that people don't vote and they're, they're reasonable and understandable why they feel that way. And it's our job to help people understand, you know, where perhaps they uh, don't 
understand really how the system works or where maybe some of their beliefs are a little misguided, but to do so in a really kind, and I'm sure you are, April, a really kind and gentle and not shaming way, because this is a country where, you know, it has been a very uh, difficult road for everyone to be able to vote. And, you know, if you look at the example from Florida, right now, a lot of Florida voters are feeling kind of bummed because they voted overwhelmingly to give returning citizens the right to vote. And then the state sort of ignored them. And so we have to understand that because this is an imperfect democracy, yeah, people are going to feel bummed out. But there are a lot of things that we can do and say to help people understand why voting is important. So, you know, at Spread the Vote, 77% of our clients have never voted before. And they really range in ages. In midterms, uh, our first-time voters ranged from 18 to 79 years old. And so we spend a lot of time talking to people who've never voted before, who feel left out of the system, who feel like nobody who is elected on either side represents them. And it's really difficult for them to understand why they should vote, why their voting matters. Um, and so we... we say a couple of things. You know, the first thing that we do is we listen and we really want to hear what is it that people are saying and what is it that they're really feeling? Uh, because that's going to help you be able to talk to them in the best way. Uh, and then we find that there are a, a couple of really big, I'm... Um, big questions or complaints or reasons that people don't vote. One is that because we spend so much time talking about the presidential election, uh, a lot of people say, well, there's 68 million voters and there's this electoral college, which I don't understand. And there's all these things. And so I don't even know how my vote matters because my state always goes one way. And, you know, you can say, yeah, that's, that's a reasonable thing. But let's talk about local and state elections, right? If we look at down-ballot elections, they are, A, they have much smaller margins of victory, right? Because you are voting for city council and it's just the people in your city or maybe for governor and it's just the people in your state. And so the number of people who make the decision about that election can be anywhere from a few dozen to a few thousand to, you know, a few tens of thousand. Um, and honestly, very frequently, more frequently than is comfortable, elections come down to ties in America. And, you know, we also need to understand, and we talked about this in our episode with uh, Ross Morales Raquetto, so I recommend that you listen to that, that 75 to 80% of the decisions made that really impact your life are made at the state and local level. And so when we talk to people about those local elections and about what the city council is really in charge of and the board of supervisors and the sheriff and the district attorney and how few people elect them, we actually get a lot of people who realize like, oh my God, I had no idea. This makes so much sense. And yeah, my vote really does matter. Uh, you know, another thing that we get is that there's just a, a, a feeling of that the security of elections is so fraught right now that, you know, we get sometimes people who say, well, you know, the election's going to be hacked anyway, so why even bother? And look, I get it. We just had a whole thing about Russia and there's China. There's so much stuff happening. But, you know, the reality is that, first of all, the elections are not being hacked the way people think. You know, there's a lot of disinformation, and so it's really important that we're sure that we are reading and believing and sharing accurate information. But our elections, our, our, our local elections and our polling places and our, our machines, they're actually safe. 
you know, our boards of lectures spend a lot of time making sure that what they're doing is safe. And we don't have uh, any, you know, any, any research or any proof that our local ballots at your polling place at, you know, whatever elementary school in Columbus, Ohio is being hacked. It's, we are actually working really hard to make sure that our elections are safe. Do we need new and better and updated election machines? Yes. Do we need boards of elections that are better funded? Yes. Are these all things we should be calling our members of Congress about? Yes. But the best way and the way that Russia and the way that all of these places attempt to suppress our votes isn't by hacking our machines. It's by preventing us from going to the polling place in the first place. So when you say, you know what, I feel like everything's being hacked, so I'm not even going to vote. That's exactly what they want. That's how they're hacking the election. And that's a really important thing to remember. And, you know, lastly, what I'll say is there are always little things that get in the way. You know, we hear so much about how long lines are at the polls or how hard it is to, you know, vote if you have a disability or all of these different things that make people really feel like voting is something that's burdensome and that's terrible. And so people don't even want to do it because we've already set it up to sound like a horrible experience. And so I think it's really important to talk about, you know, the ways that you can get around that. Like, hey, you know, we have early voting. And so if you show up at 8 a.m. on a Tuesday or go on a Saturday, then the lines are going to be a lot shorter and it's going to be a lot easier to vote. Or saying, hey, you know, I can give you a ride or I can watch your kids. Or, you know what? The ADA actually requires that every single polling place in America has certain uh, accommodations so that every single person with disability in this country can vote. And also every single person with a disability in this country can vote by mail. Right. And so the more that we try to hear what are the things that are really stopping someone from voting, then the more that we can approach them with uh, answers and explanations that are going to make them more open to it. And then lastly, I'll say, look, if at the end of the day, your friend just isn't ready to vote this year. That's OK. You know, you did your best. Don't blame yourself. Don't shame them. Um, but then try to go out and see what other friends and family you could talk to to make sure they vote so that maybe if you didn't get 100% of your local community to vote, maybe you got 99. And you know what? That's pretty good too. All of that is so important. And at the end of the day, I think we all also have to realize that it's not whether or not we're going to get leadership. You're going to get leadership. It's about whether you have a voice and mm-hmm. who leads. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. We'll be here answering your biggest and most pressing voting questions all the way up until the election. To learn more about what's happening at vote.org, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And if you or someone you know needs to get registered to vote or to apply for an absentee ballot, send them to vote.org. And to learn more about Spread the Vote, visit us at spreadthevote.org or on the socials at spreadthevoteus and sign up to volunteer or, you know, donate, buy some swag, do a thing, up to you. If you have a question you want us to address on the show, write us at votethepodcast at gmail.com or leave us a message at 844-472-VOTE. To find out more about the show, including upcoming episodes, follow us on Instagram at votethepod and subscribe. And you know what I'm going to say, leave us a review. Thanks for listening.